Hello and welcome to Hanks for the Memories. You've got a friend in us. This is episode 49, Bridge of Spies from 2015. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And Mike, with us tonight to to secure the exchange ah. between, <laughs> I don't know, you and me or us and the listener. I didn't think out the metaphor. With us tonight is the co-host of the Contenders podcast, Mr. Tobin Addington. Hello, Tobin. Hello. Welcome back to the program. It feels like it's been a while, but maybe it hasn't been. I don't know. Time's weird now. When was the last time you were on here? Do you remember? No. I get my Toms confused. You were on Charlie Wilson's War was our most recent one. There we go. Okay. Okay, yeah. And he, he was over with me searching for Spock at one point, too. In right, times right. Charm. There's no way to confuse this Tom with the Rock of Ages Tom Cruise, but that was the last time you were on the Tom Cruise podcast, Cruise Club. Go check that out. The entire run of Cruise Club, because who boy, love it. But we're here talking about Bridge of Spies 2015. I'm surprised that this isn't on Netflix or somewhere. Like, you have to pay to rent it, which is not a bad thing, but I'm surprised that it's not somewhere. But Mike, if people have not seen this movie, please hit us with a plot summary. Okay, so... 1957, and Rudolf Ivanovich Abel, a.k.a. William August Fisher, is picked up in New York City by the FBI for being a Soviet spy. And Tom Hanks, as James B. Donovan, is called upon to defend him in court. He is an insurance lawyer. It's sort of a dog and pony show. Like They basically just want to do this trial to show that Americans go easy on spies and give them due process and all that. Uh, but at the trial, Abel is going to be executed. Hanks pleads with the judge and gets him to give him 30 years in prison because Hanks is like, look, I'm in insurance. I have this idea. Like, maybe if we keep this dude alive, one day we can make an exchange for a prisoner if that happens. Uh, Sure enough, at the same time, the CIA is doing some real American-made shit where they're flying spies over Soviet Russia in spy planes with state-of-the-art photography. The pilot actually does get shot down, is captured, and Hanks is called upon to facilitate the exchange between this pilot Powers and the spy Abel. However, also at this time, there is an American economics student in Berlin studying in East Germany named Pryor who gets stuck behind the newly built wall separating East and West Berlin, solidifying the Soviet stronghold and the East German state to come. They are also in on the exchange. They do not want to be left out, and Hanks doesn't want this student to be left out as well. He goes to Berlin and facilitates with the Soviets and the Germans. No one's quite sure who's who for a while. There's a lot of political theater going on. He is actually, in the end, able to get the two-for-one deal where he gives over the Soviet spy for both the American student and pilot. In the end, they make the exchange half at Checkpoint Charlie and half at the titular Bridge of Spies. Everyone goes home. Hanks goes on to have a career with the CIA facilitating more prisoner exchanges in the future. Uh, and that is basically Bridge of Spies. Very good. Did you freeball that or did you uh, write that down? Because that's a lot of detail that you, you hit us with. I've got some crib notes, but yeah, I, I just kind of tried to get it to flow a little bit. Cool. I want to point out before we get started that this was an Academy Award winning film for Mark Rylance for winning Best Supporting Role. He was also nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Role, did not win. He was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Original Screenplay, Best Score, the first movie since like The Color Purple, like 30 years earlier that John Williams did not do for Steven Spielberg. I think he had some kind of like medical issue. So our boy Thomas Newman back from, I think, some recent thing. He came back. Uh, He's doing that. Also got nominations for Best Sound Mixing and Best Production Design. So a lot of good award acclaim going on here. Tobin, why did you sign up for this movie? Is this a movie that you love? Why did you pick this? Do you love it? And what's your favorite part? I love this movie so 
much. I have seen this movie many times. I've used it as a, as a template for things that I've written. It hits so many buttons for me. It's part courtroom drama, part espionage thriller. It's a true story. The hero is like the last decent man in a world going mad. I mean, all these things are things that I love. I think it's such a great example of kind of late Spielberg. I feel like he doesn't have anything to prove anymore. It's a classical movie in a lot of in a lot of ways. I remember when it first I saw it in the theater when it came out and its reputation was that it was kind of sleepy. I just found that a completely lazy reading of this movie. I think it's pretty thrilling and I think it's funny and charming. I'm a huge fan of this movie. Weirdly, my maybe my favorite scene is, it's, I think it's basically, well, not the opening scene. The opening scene is where Rylance gets nabbed. But Hanks's first scene where he's just arguing an insurance case, but lays out his kind of theory of life and negotiation that then will echo throughout the rest of the movie in these really interesting in kind of thematic ways. Uh, that's maybe my favorite scene, although I like so much of this movie. I'm, I'm My fingers are crossed that you all like this movie, too. Mike, are you going to crush Tobin's dreams? You're going to agree with him? No, not at all. Yeah, I agree with you. And I like that. That's sort of his, like, it's, it's all one thing kind of argument right like it's the mm. same thing it's not two different things it's all one and like he does that does come back later like this script man is super tight did we mention the coen brothers have a hand in it they punched it up yeah 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 you could kind of feel that in little moments of levity mm-hmm. here and there but like i pretty much 100 percent agree with tobin i had only seen this movie once before it kind of feels like i don't know does spielberg have a spy saga going on with this and munich is there a third thing we mm. could throw in there somewhere because i feel like here he's at his best partially for reasons Tobin's mentioned where it's like he just has nothing left to prove he doesn't have to but if he needed to he could still just blow anyone out of the water and mm. it's not like he's not trying here but it just feels like he's way more into this material than other stuff like he'd rather be mm. doing this than another Jurassic Park or another action blockbuster thing like that. I really love how this harkens back to old spy thrillers and the non-James Bond type stuff out there. You know, the more talky stuff I really like because of the tension. My favorite stuff is the second half, I think, when they get to Berlin because of what that represents it not just at the time, but just in general. Like, I always remember that being a very scary place depicted in movies throughout my childhood. Here it is, like, the creation of that. And uh, that is is chilling too and so this movie ended up representing much more than I expected after watching it and I mean there's way more to get into you know like Mark Rylance I don't know where this guy came from where you know like I've never seen him before I've hardly seen him since he was a Broadway guy that Spielberg kind of like plucked from Broadway I think he was like the 12th night or something it's just like I like this guy and let's put him in a movie yeah yeah it's wild so I mean there's just so much great stuff there's very little I, I don't enjoy so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm all aboard with this one I will say that I don't know if I had that trivia right because there is like 220 there are 223 bits of trivia on imdb and i don't mean to exaggerate when i say this that each is a paragraph like instead of just like a line (laughs) here or there like everything is like in full detail oh it's tough because it's historical hanks again you know like it's a real thing that happened and so my process, I just copy all the trivia and I put it in the, the Google Doc that I'm taking notes in and then I just go through and delete everything. And it was 35 pages single space. And I was just like, nope, not doing this. And so like I did a few, like I read the top, the most interesting things at the top and like I sort of Apple F'd for Hanks. But like other than that, so if you want to go really deep in this movie, go to IMDb or probably anywhere. Like there is so much out there to learn about this movie. I might've gotten that entire Mark Rylance origin story wrong. I have no idea. But I was just like... I 
want to do this, but also I can't do this. This is too much reading. Like, that's too much reading, but it's out there if you want it. So I'm just saying. But did you say, Mike, your favorite part of this movie or just in general? Yeah. So just in general, like I like Tobin mentioned, it's like half courtroom drama and then it's like half in the field type stuff. And my favorite actual scene, I think, is when he first gets to the Russian consulate in Berlin and he meets Abel's quote unquote family. And Mm -hmm. it's just the most perfect depiction of Russian theater theatrical Mm. political propaganda but like in person he's like watching a play instead of a video and it's remarkable because that shit did actually that's what they did that is like very accurately depicted i was bawling at that part i was just not expecting i don't remember it being that sort of in my face the first time but it's there for a purpose you know it's there to confuse him it's there to sort of reassure him that he knows the sort of level of the playing field and all that kind of stuff and they know he knows that that's not his family and so there's just so much subtext going on in that scene alone that it's just a joy so here's where i'm gonna fall on this movie and i i like it i'm not going to dash your hopes but i think my issue with this movie is that it's exactly as good as you expect it to be which makes it a lot less interesting than it should be spielberg hanks historical drama well done well scored it's like yeah this is exactly what i thought it was going to be and i've seen this movie twice now i saw this in theaters i saw it again here i like it i like it a lot i think it's really well done i don't know what i wanted from it but it was just like maybe i'm burnt out on hanks because like i think and we've talked about this on air and off mike that like i kind of didn't want to do hanks because like hanks is just like always good i'm not interested in that i want something like a stacy jacks role i don't necessarily want another rock of ages but like but we got cloud atlas and stuff i know but like that's we that's why i did like i knew that was coming but like everything else it's like prestige historical drama all two and out two and a half hours long he's got a thing and it always works but we've talked before about why you bring in tom hanks to play walt disney because like you're afraid of having someone who's not tom hanks play walt disney you go to him because he's going to knock it out of the park you're gonna know exactly what you get from him he's going to pay their with the respect it deserves he's going to do a good job and he does that here and it just feels like i want something weird or i don't know i love parts of this movie like i love the opening i love mark rylance getting the nickel and opening the nickel and decoding the nickel like that's amazing i love the like the whole if i roll a strike is that 10 accidents or is that one like you know my my client the guy my client represents you know he hit five people but it was only one accident it wasn't you know he didn't hit five different people he just rolled into five whatever so like i love the setup like i think the first like 15 or 20 minutes like mike you said you love the la- the latter half more i love the beginning i think this movie sets itself up so beautifully and i think my issue and this isn't necessarily my least favorite thing but my issue with it is that like all these genres that you both love i love too like we loved a few good men like the courtroom drama i just feel like i don't have enough of any of those to really like feel at home so i'm like okay cool it's gonna be a courtroom drama and then like 45 minutes in it's like no we're done i'm like wait what hold, what and then you go and it's like it's kind of a spy movie but it's kind of not and i feel like it's doing all these things well but it's like teasing me with each of them and i want to have more like i think i'm frustrated because everything is good but i don't have enough of it even though there's maybe too much overall i don't know it's all good i don't have nitpicky things to pick out but it just i don't know what i'm looking for anymore i guess yeah, that's interesting. I, I can see that for some viewers, it would get sort of caught in the middle and not and be not quite enough of any one of the things that it is to be kind of fully satisfying. It's interesting what you say, too, about it being what you expect. And in some ways, I think especially that's true from Hanks. I mean, who else is going to play this role uh, at this level? You're going to you need your modern day Jimmy Stewart to be this character. And that's that's Hanks. And so one of the things that I find so uh, refreshing about this movie is the direction of and the casting of all 
all of the, basically all of the other characters. I think the judge is great. The guy who plays the kind of German, East German counterpart is great. Everybody is filled with these performances. The, the, the funny bits about his, Tom Hanks's character's daughter and his law clerk or whatever who are trying to date and all of these performances and the way that they're sort of balanced in the movie I keep every scene for me fresh even if I'm getting some of the things that I that I maybe expect also I don't know part of it may be that as a I like to say young middle-aged person now now I am of the age where this kind of movie is the kind of thing I'm sad that like really connects with me and I don't know if part of that's because I am really concerned about the kind of world we live in and seeing the pe- people who stand up for you know the right thing even at great cost to themselves is really a powerful thing and I find the mix just kind of perfect of all these pieces but I can totally see it kind of being a fine movie for some because it does all these things well just doesn't go double down on anyone enough yeah like i'm not bored by it like mm-hmm. i don't dislike it I just that like i just want something like i feel like i've seen this before i haven't but like i feel like i have or, like it's all just been like it's all yeah that's really good like i expect it to be really good and it is and it's like it's like oh, that's, a, that's a nice night that's a nice movie the most liked review on letterboxd says this is one of the most dad movies i've ever seen spielberg is a dad director this like the history is the dad genre hanks is the dad actor like all these things just go together so i think that like ties right into your like young middle age thing where just like yeah this is just like a dad movie like it's just like a movie that like your dad would put on and like watch and be like yeah that was a great movie it's like yeah it's, it's a dad movie not a good thing or a bad thing just like a dad thing right and he's america's dad uh it all fits I, exactly. I watched this for the first time with mine i mean joe i think i think all like those feelings like i understand all those feelings because i i have some of those same criticisms just not maybe to the degree that you do but i originally was sort of felt blindsided by this movie and that was sort of part of the intrigue of it had you seen it before or no just the one time and i remember watching it the one time i saw it and thinking like okay this is gonna be about the russian spy uh and then it's like nope it's gonna be about hanks and it's like okay and now it's gonna be about him just trying to keep this guy alive and through the system and it's like nope it's now it's about prisoner exchange movie and that kind of like I really did I I like that a lot about it like it just while being conventional it also sort of figured out a way not to be in my mind and sure it sort of maybe falls into some conventions we talk about when we reference like biopics and stuff like it feels almost a little bit like the James Donovan biopic sometimes where in which I wish there was maybe more of the less than like I wanted maybe less of everything so we could get more stuff squeezed in here like more stuff with maybe the CIA and the plane and the pilot or more stuff with the American student before he gets trapped behind the wall and maybe after because he just sort of disappears. So it's a very tricky balancing act where it, watching it, it kind of seems like easy peasy, like, oh, this sort of feels like a movie maybe anyone can pull off. But I don't I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think it takes someone like Spielberg to really stick this landing and uh, someone like Hanks kind of carry everyone through it like because because I didn't know this other guy you know from anyone you know so it is sort of just like he's the leading man this is his movie and that's what we got and ultimately when I came to terms with that rewatching it and knowing that's what was going to happen I, I really liked it see what I think is interesting is that like I don't think it's the James Donovan biopic and I feel like I wanted that more because as I was watching the movie I was like you know leafing through the endless trivia and I saw 
another thing that I didn't realize was at the end where they're like, you know, after this, JFK sends him to Cuba to free 1,100 prisoners. And he actually frees 9,500. Just the, I'm like, that's a crazy story. Like, I want more of that. And I feel like we've probably talked about this on podcasts before. I'm like, like, I don't think biopics generally work. I think that they're too spanning. And I think that they, they, people don't really know how to nail it down. Whereas something like Selma is like kind of a Martin Luther King biopic, but like more so just about the event, right? And I think that's why it works. And I think that this being about this exchange is kind of like a James Donovan, but I feel like, you know, you brought up American Made before in a different context, but like if it was more one of those kind of career spanning or life spanning things, I think that might have been interesting too, because him as a lawyer or him as a, you know, insurance adjuster is interesting. Maybe it's only interesting because it's brief, but I feel like there's so much more interesting stuff to tell about him that I kind of wanted more of that. But maybe if we got more of that, I wouldn't like it. I worry that if we got more of it, it would be feel more conventional. And I think one of the things that the movie for being... I don't see it, Joey, the way you do as something that I expected because it veers so much like starts as a courtroom drama and then becomes this he like he becomes a spy like there's something kind of daring about that and i kind of would rather see this as a movie than the six hour netflix version of the story because i think i might that might feel more kind of expected in some way that there's something about the way that we hold to this principle that hanks has that like then carries us through all all of these things and zigs and zags as it goes and is relatively light on its feet for being able to you know for doing that yeah that's that's the thing i think that and, and maybe that ends up just being like how it hits you as you watch it. Is that a thing that you're you're gonna dig in that movie, or is that a thing that's gonna like leave you a little colder? I don't know. Now, is there something about this that doesn't work for you? Do you think it's too overstuffed? Is there stuff in here that you would like to see less of to get more of something else? If you had to pick a least favorite part of Bridges Spies, Tobin, what would it be? This is a, a criticism I've always had of this movie. There's not I don't have a lot of criticisms of this movie, but one that I do is its use of female characters. Perhaps not unsurprising given uh, my other podcast about uh, women in, in movies. And I think that Amy Ryan is not well served by her character. Now, I understand that you're making a movie in this period, in the 50s, at a time when the kind of person that the Hanks character would be is going to have a stay-at-home wife who's going to be more likely to have a housewife wife who's going to be staying home and supportive and making dinner and like playing the 50s housewife. And I, I understand that. I think the movie misses some opportunities to have her be have a little bit more life of her own outside. And, and not like you need a bunch of scenes with her or whatever, but she's just so, she feels pretty ornamental uh, in this movie. And you compare that to another kind of biopic of Spielberg's. You look at at Lincoln, where the Sally Fields character, uh, Mary Todd Lincoln, is given her so much her own weight in her scenes in that movie. And I kind of wish this movie had a little bit more of that. Yeah, I almost even wish that they sort of concocted a character out of thin air on the Berlin side or something to be, you know, female, to be one of the consulate mm-hmm. members. You know what I'm saying? Just because mm-hmm, that would totally. be a, you know, a place to take a liberty with that. But but I agree with you, too. And it's kind of frustrating because that that is just the stereotype. That wasn't what was really how women, you know, as far as I could tell from just stories my grandparents told me, like, mm-hmm. they, they were housewives, quote unquote, in the 50s, but they weren't housewives. You know what I'm saying? Like, they were women. Women who, who were mothers who owned a house, but like they didn't stay at home baking all day and all that kind of stuff. So I would like mm-hmm. to see movies break that convention more often, too. One of the things that I don't like about this movie, it kind of feels like one of Amy Ryan's like big moments is the ending mm-hmm. where like she and the kids find out that Tom Hanks has been actually doing what he's doing. And like it's hokey as hell. And I think it only works the extent that it does because it's Spielberg. Like he like is somehow able to like make it not the worst thing you've ever seen. Like it's just like, oh, this is still kind of dumb, but it kind of yeah. earns it. If that's your big reveal, like we talked recently, what, what were we talking about? 
I just rec- I record so many podcasts, Mike, I can't keep them all straight. I don't know if it was with you or Joe, but I was comparing to Dark Waters, that Mark Ruffalo movie where he's, you know, the he's trying to figure out, like, contaminated water. And, like, that whole movie, I'm thinking, like, why do you cast Anne Hathaway as his wife and basically just give her, like, woman, like, traditional womanly duties? She's, like, raising the kids and she's, you know, doing the gross. Like, it's just, like, all this stuff that's just, like, why do you cast Anne Hathaway, who can, like, carry this heavy load? Mm. And then finally, like, at the end of the movie, she's got, like, this big speech, like, about, you know, this empowerment. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, I kind of get it now. But, like, what did you do for the first, like, hour and a half of this movie? Like, where was she then? And here, like, Amy Ryan doesn't have that. Like, she's got a couple little things, but it's like, yeah, wait, what? And then, like, at the end, it's supposed to be, like, this kind of, like, winky joke, like, oh, your dad's actually a hero when none of us knew about it. But it's just, that that's it. And then she goes up and, like, he's passed out. And, like, she's kind of the, the setup to the joke that he's just so exhausted from, like, salmon fishing in Berlin. Yeah, it, that was uh, Catherine Keener and Captain Phillips, right, as the as the wife in the in like one shot, I think is what spawned that recent conversation. But I agree. I think the movie should have ended on the bridge right after the yes. exchange. Just end it. I understand like he wants to get home and, you know, it's kind of cute to see Hanks falling asleep and all that, whatever. But like, ultimately the movie has been over for five minutes and we're getting like a Return of the King thing where like he's tagging mm-hmm. on endings. I'm like, what, what is happening here? This is the big problem with so many of these late Spielberg movies, Lincoln being the prime example where the movie's done when he walks out of the White House like you don't need to go to Ford's theater and have him die I mean we all know what that hangs over the rest of the movie and I feel the same thing with this the movie would be maybe like six percent better if it was if it was six minutes shorter Mike, what about you? Is there something about this that you don't like? What would you cut out? I think you agree with me to a certain extent, but is there something specific that you don't like about this movie? Uh, So there's two things. One specific scene is when the guy gets shot down, it, it does sort of switch and become James Bond there, where he's like hanging out of the plane and all this stuff. Like maybe that's exactly how it went down. Maybe that's his account of it. Maybe that's why he couldn't destroy the plane or whatever. But like it just, I'd have rather not seen it than seen it in this particular movie movie i don't know it just came off as kind of clunky like it, it would have maybe been better if it just got like shot and then went to white and then you know we see him in court or like the russian you know equivalent of court getting his sentencing or stuff because then it's just like i don't i he who is this guy hell jordan like i don't know it just became too much of like the action movie i didn't want this movie to become at that particular moment um having said that like i i really wish we got more of this american student like it bugs it really starts to bug me i i don't mind that we don't see abel for the rest of the movie because we spend so much time with him but like you pop up this kid for one minute and you know you know what he's doing is wrong obviously they're putting the wall up you know he's going to get caught and stuff we see the pilot get interrogated we need to see a shot or two of this kid and the way that the germans are dealing with them um i mean it's a really big plot point of the movie and you know he's whole part of the deal and so like that still kind of that's where maybe that extra half a star or star or whatever starts to wear on me is that is that actual sort of like where is this kid what's what's up with him I think, you know, I don't know if I have anything else specifically to add on to my thing. I think that, like, what you both said is is fair. I think it's all, like, legitimate criticism. I, again, like, I gave, I mean, I feel like I'm, my four out of five star rating of this, like, feels, like, wildly low compared to both of you. But also, like, at the same time, like, I don't know. Like, it just, again, don't know how to say what I said earlier any better. But 
Again, not a bad movie. Just either cut stuff out or add more stuff. I don't know. Like and, two hours and 20 minutes, I feel like is a weird length for this kind of movie. Yeah, look, I, and, and you, you say four out of five. That's your rating. Yeah. I mean, mine's four and a half stars out of five. It's not a perfect movie. I just love it. Like there's, right. you begin, you know, then, then it begins to sort of, you know, you begin to cut things even more finely. I mean, this is maybe for me in like top 25% Spielberg, but not top 10% Spielberg. You know, I was talking to my friends last night as I was watching the movie or after I watched the movie we're talking about Spielberg and like just looking at his filmography it's like it's mind-boggling you know thinking about we were trying to think that Jake Jaws and Close Encounters and E.T. and Raiders and whatever and then I'm like oh shit like he also did Jurassic Park like it's mind-boggling to think that this one guy was basically is just unequivocally even in the age of blockbusters is like no 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 this guy he's he's Mr. Blockbuster right he just he did it like he's nobody will ever do better than he did like he was one of the creators of the whole genre right. essentially i mean like yeah. sure erwin allen was doing his thing back in the day but not to the degree that you know spielberg and lucas came along and were like no 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 like here's how you really do it you know <laughs> and i think like it's cool that like he takes that basically blank check whatever you want to call it and be like no i want to make these movies but he's not making like bad movies or boring movies or whatever like he's making good he's still making great movies but they feel like i don't know if this is a personal movie but it kind of feels like a personal movie to some respect right like it feels like this is a story that he can connected to or that he resonated with him and he wanted to i think that's also in the trivia i do not remember but like i think that it's it's that kind of thing where he just is able to make whatever movie he wants to make he can be like hey tom hanks you want to act in the fourth movie that we've done together like yeah okay let's make this movie and like it just happens and wins oscar this guy who can do anything does anything it's like oh yeah i'm still great at what i do the weirdest thing to me about spielberg is like how early on he had such great success and how late in life he is still making movies and it seems Mm -hmm. like he's kind of making movies for his peers sometimes like this might be one of those films where he can just like show his filmmaking friends like scorsese and be like look instead of like reading the book i made us this movie like let's watch (laughs) it you know or something to that because he also went and then he does war horse you know I mentioned Munich, but he also does, like, he does a lot of historical stuff, like Color Purple and things like that. So, like, it's always sort of been in his wheelhouse. But it is amazing how much it fluctuates on the spectrum because these are, you know, for the most part, serious dramas. And then on the other end are these crazy, over-the-top, war-of-the-world spectacles. And hardly anyone can really maintain a balance, you know, or like a career that spans all of that type of uh, filmmaking. Yeah, it's true. The interesting thing is that when he does do these, so many of these historical projects, there's a similar kind of feeling of if War of the Worlds, like the the world is at stake, the stakes feel similarly high in this movie for like, what kind of country are we? <laughs> you know, like, and it feels existential to the nation. And I think that that's, there's something kind of cool about somebody who's able to do that in both genres. The other thing is that we talked, when we did the, the first season or whatever of Cinemakers, we were we're talking about Steven Soderbergh. One of the things we talked about with Soderbergh is that he kind of speaks fluent film. And Spielberg is has always been that way too. I mean, it's hard to even notice the cuts in these movies because he knows exactly how these shots are all going to go together. I've talked to people who have been on, well, actually on War of the Worlds, uh, actors who've been on, uh, on his sets and talked about how, you know, he used to be a big uh, storyboarder and now he just sort of gets there on the day and looks around and says, let's go here and try this and then cut to this and then do this. And then they just do that. Like he just, he has metabolized the script and knows how he wants to shoot it as he shows up. And I think that that very few people are as, speak as fluent 
film, a cinema, as as somebody like Spielberg does. And um, yes, he gets a then bad rap in some ways in sort of snooty cinema circles because Jaws inaugurated the summer blockbuster season and we're all a little worse off for it. But that's a brilliant movie and I don't think it, it should not detract from his skills as a filmmaker. Also, it gave us Jaws 4, The Revenge, but that's neither here nor there. Well, I was just going to say Jaws 3D, but you... You went one further. <laughs> I do like that this movie sort of acts as a pre-union to game night. We've got Jesse Plemons in it fairly briefly, and also Billy Magnuson even more briefly um, as his like law clerk, like his paralegal, maybe dating his daughter, right? Like they're both going to be in game night in a couple years, a movie that I know that Mike and I both love. So Joey, you're the only person right now I think that'll get this reference, but I've been, you know, I'm up to the last episode of Sense8, and Wolfgang's best friend is the German secretary at the end that Hanks gives the message to oh, okay that's his buddy from sense8 so i just had to i'm right at the end of that series that series is 100 percent amazing everyone should check it out anything else you guys want to talk about before we play a couple games and give this movie some awards hanks drops the f-bomb he does i wrote that down yeah because we yeah. talked about that on, on too fast too forever like who gets the fuck and here he does right like he's just wondering if he's being too ambitious on the payphone i also think it was very funny where like he says it and then like his wife picks up immediately like she like she can't hear him say it but like just like the way that like again maybe that's the spielberg editing or the timing or whatever but him saying it and then the wife picking up she's like oh like that was perfect the only other note i really had was what an immaculate period piece or maybe this just like the advancement of filmmaking uh, but i really think they did an amazing job doing old new old new york well like new york in the late 50s mm-hmm. but then the contrast when they get to germany and all of that architecture and the structure and the way that that's all laid out and then how the rest of the city sort of like bombed to shit and everything like there's just it's just all great even even between um where hanks is staying in west berlin and where like the cia guys are staying at west berlin you know he goes and like ambushes them at their hotel one morning for coffee and everything like I don't I just like all of that extra stuff. I think we should also, since we are talking about Tom Hanks here, just mention that the scenes between that he has with Mark Rylance as he's sort of talking Rylance through what the American system and what's going to happen next and how it's all going to go. And and they're sort of like somewhat antagonistic, but then allied kind of dance with one another through the, through those scenes are such, I think, are like a masterclass of two actors working at like height of their of their powers and you see one Rylance who we don't know as well unless you unless you watched a lot of New York theater and someone that you know you've known for your whole life <laughs> for most of us uh depending on your age in Hanks and something about I think it elevates Hanks game to to play with someone to play in a scene with someone as good as Rylance is and those scenes which could be kind of you know wrote I think have all this life in them because they sort of have to play off each other. I just think, th- I think those scenes are, are pretty great. Would it help? Right. Totally. It's weird because I, I thought like, did I miss Mark Rylance my entire life somehow? Like, has this guy just been around and I just not known or anything? And it's like, <laughs> no, like not really. Like you say, he's, he's very much into the theater stuff, but he feels like a guy like that where it's like um, maybe a, a, like a character actor who finally got like a huge role and is going to get nominated for an Oscar or something, you know, like those kinds of things right. happen. And so I'm watching the movie the first time going like, well, this guy has probably been around longer than Hanks. And that's why this scene is sort of a 
electric without even, you know, really being really, it doesn't seem like there's much to it, but there's an electricity in the air between these two actors because they're like straight up acting. Like it's just like, you know, from the book and they're both going at it so well together. And so, yeah, they, they definitely have an amazing chemistry. We shouldn't say that he's never, I mean, you know, he has credits going back to the eighties in TV and film, but in, and shows up in a number of like British costume dramas. So it's, it's not that he's not, that Mark Rylance has not been in things. If you're looking for something else to see Mark Rylance in, he did, um, I think it was a BBC adaptation of Wolf Hall, the Hilary Mantel novels, where he plays the main character, Thomas Cromwell. Oh, maybe it's PBS. And he's wonderful. That's from, I think, a couple years before Bridge of Spies. That's the first thing that I saw him in. He's a Shakespearean actor. I think he's, most of what he's done has been known for is Shakespeare. Um, and it's just so cool to see somebody who comes to sort of prominence so kind of late in their you know in their career like unexpectedly so and i think it's i think it's that was a really deserved award i'm glad we all know who mark rylance is now almost how can you not love the way that they go together but i feel like i kind of want like a 90 minute interrogation movie or mm. negotiation or something where just like them in a room and like that's it there was the episode of brooklyn 99 that came out a couple a couple of years ago maybe called the box and it was andre brower and andy sandberg just interrogating a criminal for basically for 22 minutes right and like it apparently was like very back to hill what was it? what show was he on hill street blues nypd blue who was andre brower from Oh, Homicide. Oh, yeah, Homicide, right. And so it was like this kind of throwback to like Homicide Life on the Street where he just like did that thing a lot and like just, I guess, acted really hard. Like just, you know, just acting. And I wish that like we just had the two of them because like almost whenever they're not together, and again, maybe it's a, a addition by subtraction, maybe the more we have, I don't think this is true, but the more we have Mark Rylance the less we're enamored by him but like he just seems so calm right mm -hmm. just like so yeah. effortlessly like I, this is me if you told me like he's like a russian spy like yeah yeah yeah, right. just, like, yeah he's just doing his thing i don't think that more of him would have been a bad thing i again it's a thing where it's like the movie's like i want more of that and then we don't get more of that and i can see why that would maybe be exciting but also at the same time i'm like i just want that Give me more of that, please. So some trivia about this movie. There's a policeman that taunted Donovan that said he'd been in the third wave on Normandy. And then Spielberg told Hanks to, like he read that in the script. And then Spielberg said to Hanks, I joke that I was in the first, which is a reference to Saving Private Ryan, which is a very kind of clever callback. There's also the line that he uses, every man deserves a defense, which is a line that was also said in The Green Mile. Uh, I don't think Hanks said it, but I think it was also said in that movie as well. And this movie apparently had been kicking around since like 1965. Uh, either of you hear about this? So like after this, happened Gregory Peck wanted to make this movie and Alec Guinness was going to play Abel Peck was going to play Donovan and Sterling Siliphant who I don't know was going to write the script mm. and then MGM declined thinking that because it was still so close or still in the midst of the Cold War they're like we can't make this movie yet um, and so they, they sort of distanced from it but then it, it took you know 50 years to you know to get it made so yeah I mm. wonder if like the whole like Hollywood blackballing you know thing that went on during like the 50s and 60s has anything to do, do with it like who would want to make like this communist movie at the time in Hollywood because ultimately that's how it kind of feels it comes across like Hanks you know he's not depicted as a hero he's defending the enemy in this movie right so like I'm sure in real life this guy like we see the drive-by shooting at his house you know I'm sure he got death threats daily was called a red commie bastard and all that kind of shit at the end ultimately he was you know American hero he, he has that line you know what you did right like and mm -hmm. I'm sure he says that all the time to himself 
Any other thoughts, or do we want to play a couple games? Or ask a very... I don't know if they're games as much as hard-hitting questions. Let's be interrogated, yeah. All right, so let's see. First up, could Tom Cruise play the role of James Donovan? I mean, to a certain extent, we saw a similar-ish character in A Few Good Men, right? But Mm -hmm. that was also 25 years earlier. Can modern-day, basically, Tom Cruise play this role? I'd like to see it. Like, I think he could actually do it. I think he needs a movie these days where he can just kind of sit in a chair. Uh, right. <laughs> and that's kind of what Hanks is doing. Like, he's going sort of from chair to chair in this movie, and that's great. That's fine, you know. Uh, you know, he gets his coat stolen at one point. I think Tom Cruise would probably beat up those droogs. But, like, other than that, I would like to see, like, Tom Cruise today. I would love to see him do a role like this, for sure. And I think he could do this role, too, if he just sort of, like, trusted himself to to just be, to just sort of relax and, and maybe not uh, put it on so hard, you know? You don't have to go jump out of a plane in this movie. You can just sit there. Yeah, I agree. I would kind of love to see um, Cruz try this kind of kind of thing i think that the two issues you might run into is that he just he reads as younger yep but then also you know the one of the things that's sort of charming about this movie is that hanks is you don't like i question whether hanks would be able to um like hanks or cruise i'm sorry no hanks i question in the movie as it is now like how is hanks going to handle east berlin and like spy stuff and whereas with Tom Cruise would be like well obviously he's going to run and beat, <laughs> beat the shit out of people like I, I wouldn't question that you know so I, I don't I, w- I don't know that I was feel, would feel as much kind of danger as he walks the streets in East Berlin yeah he wouldn't lose his coat to those ruffians no no but I but I do think he could do it I do think he could it would be interesting to see although I do now I, I meant to say that earlier when about that scene like I just love where somebody asks Hanks like where'd your coat go he just says oh you know spy stuff just like Tom Cruise wouldn't say that because it's like yeah of course, but like Hank's saying, it's just like, no, it wasn't. Like, what are you talking about? I love the way the CIA is just like, oh, you'll be going alone. It's too dangerous for us. And Hank's is just like, well, what? Like, it's it's okay for me, but you're in the you you're a trained professional. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going with you. You're gonna go alone. He's like, oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I do want to say, in terms of the age and Cruz playing reading younger, I think that is for sure true. I think he is probably what maybe five years younger than Hanks. Apparently, when this movie was made, Hanks was ooh boy, gonna get this wrong. Maybe like fifty nine and. The guy was supposed to be like 45-ish, and the guy would die of a heart attack at like 53. So like Hanks was already like significantly older than James Donovan was when he died, let alone when he did this, and he still, you know, would go on to Cuba and whatever. So like, I, I agree that like Cruz might play too young. Like it's sort of, it's aided kind of fictionally by having an older sort of more composed guy. But in terms of, I guess, being true to life, it might be more realistic if Cruz was there. But I do, I you know, Tobin, all the other points you said about like, just we wouldn't fear for him really, right? Like, that definitely would take something away, so. And the only other question, the important question here, does Tom Hanks do anything in this movie to steer us away, to make us think that he's no longer America's dad? No. No. I mean, he does lie to his family and abandon his family, right? And, like... Well, ultimately, the truth comes <laughs> out. I, I mean... That's, I, that's, that's just me trying to, like, come, like have play devil's advocate or so, I don't know, right? For the like, good just, of the nation, man. I know, I know. Like, there, there's there's justification here, but, like, he does abandon his family and lie to them. I mean, all dads at some point lie to their families. I mean, you know. He is forced to by the government, I guess. Yeah. You know? He will be arrested. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? Get arrested? Or <laughs> The truth came out in the end. All right, time to nominate this for some awards. The Woody's, the Tom Hanks Awards, the best and the worst of Tom Hanks' career. I know where you're both going to go. Best film, Bridge of Spies. 
Is it best role, though? Do you think that James Donovan is one of Tom Hanks' best roles? That's tough. It's hard because I was kind of watching it, looking to see if he was, like, doing certain mannerisms or adding anything to the role. And, like, this character does sort of have... He is very well composed. I don't feel like he's really putting sort of this extra layer to him, though. I can still kind of see Hanks through the performance at times and things. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't truly get lost in it. Uh, and I think that's what those are sort of uh, reserved for in my mind. Yeah, I, I think he's wonderful in this movie, but I think he's been, there are other movies where he ends up being like a step or two past that, that feel a little more risky in some way. So uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's, you could probably leave that one off. I think to what you said before, Tobin, about this being in your top 25% Spielberg, but not top 10%, right? It's the same kind of thing where it's like, you know, we could put this on the, the short list, the proverbial short list or best role, but like we already have like 50 things there and we're gonna have to excise things and I feel like when you think of this movie I don't know if you think of Hanks you probably think of Mark Rylance first probably right but maybe not I don't know the bridge that's what I think of potentially bridge (laughs) okay uh best ensemble I don't think so I mean we're gonna get to Mark Rylance later but I don't think the ensemble to Tobin's point from earlier like no women doing anything like there's other dudes doing stuff but it feels like all kind of perfunctory to a certain degree this gets into like the SAG best ensemble award like do you does this is this a word for an ensemble that all works together or is this for all the other people in the movie because i think all the other people in the movie are beautifully cast and wonderful but they don't they don't all work together like it's all them meeting hanks at different times right so it depends i guess on how you're thinking about that i think generally we were like i, I know i ultimately always assumed that it was um reserved for a cast that kind of worked all together mm-hmm, right yeah. like knives out best ensemble right Right. But that's an interesting point. I never really considered that. I'm not opposed to that in the future. I'm not sure that necessarily... This movie almost gets there again. I, I had sort of an issue earlier on an earlier episode where I was like, well, do the actors already need to be somewhat famous? And can, you know what I'm saying? Like, because there's mm-hmm. a lot of people here that were probably famous European actors and German actors and all these things that I just am not aware of. Uh, and I'm sure someone else would be like, of course, this is the best ensemble. But uh, I just generally don't know these people for the most part. I guess you, if you're looking at like Apollo 13, Saving Private Ryan, I mean, there are other movies where he's it was more of an ensemble and this this movie is more like a Hanks movie with other people in it. I think our original idea, because like we'd never done the best ensemble before the Tom Tom Club. Like I don't think we did it for Cage or Keanu or Charlize or anything like that. But I think we kind of created it to like celebrate movies where another performance didn't stand out. And I feel like because we're going to have Mark Rylance because the Tom Hanks component is so prominent, like it's kind of, you know, to you know Knives Out or whatever, like, or we have on here like Apollo 13 or A League of Their Own. Like there are great performances, but it feels kind of like a collective thing as opposed to like, this is just Hanks and whoever, right? So best fight? I don't think Hanks gets into a fight, does he? No. I don't think he dances. I don't think he parties. I don't think that he has an outfit or wardrobe that's nom- that's worthy of nomination. He does not die. Is there a line or a freakout that Tom Hanks has? Like, I love the would it help, like the, the Mark Rylance line that I mentioned before. Like, I love that line, but I don't know. Is there a, a thing that Hanks said? I mean, he's got a couple, like, real powerful monologues that are apparently cribbed, like, verbatim from, like, what the real James Donovan said. But, like, is there anything that stands out here in terms of, like, all-time great Hanks lines or freakouts? All right, so this is an all-timers, but I've got two I wrote down that, that caught my ear. Uh, he says at one point, he says, we must have the conversation our governments can't, and that convinces one of the consulate members to sort of go along with him, I suppose. I thought that was a pretty good line. But then at the end, when they 
get the deal done and everything, he turns around and he goes, hot dog. And I was like, well, we got to nominate hot dog. That is just, that's just, you know, I don't know. I feel like that is just cage club karma right there. Mike, I'm going to put it on the list. We're probably not going to keep it, but we'll put it on the list for now. Okay. I mean, he, he, he has a great cold. He does. I think <laughs> he blows his nose a lot. I don't know. Sick acting is like vastly underrated. That seems like wildly difficult. Like just why are you doing that? I guess I know why, but like an added wrinkle on top of everything, right? Best music. Since you were last on Tobin, we kind of combined soundtrack theme score into just best music overall. It is it is a great score, but it's a very it's a great score in the way that um, scores support movies as opposed to standing out on their own. Like you're not going to walk out of this movie humming the theme, <laughs> you know. So I don't know that it fits for these kinds of awards, but I would like just to put it in the podcast that it's a wonderful score. Best or worst Hank's love story. I don't think that his love story with Amy Ryan is great, but it's also not terrible, right? Like it's it's absent. It's largely absent, right? So his love story is more with uh, Mark Rylance. I mean, not romantic love, but like they're the ones that have, you know, testy exchanges and then come to really admire one another. And do we want to nominate that? You know, I mean, I don't know. There's something to that. I'm thinking maybe in the future we should just do best relationship, you know, instead of necessarily love story per se, uh, because that covers love as well as hate and all kinds of things. And, you know, you could even say right. Neo and Agent Smith had a hell of a right, relationship. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll still nominate. I'll put Hanks and Mark Rylance in Bridge of Spies. And then I'm to say best non-Hanks actor male Mark Rylance yeah. in Breach of Spies. Cool. Four nominations. Best film, best line, best love story, and best non-Hanks actor male. Cool. Nice. Mike, next week we've got an elusive fourth I did not know this. We did not know this until like a month ago where I found this out. Tobin, did you know that there's a fourth Tom Hanks Meg Ryan movie? No. What is it? That she directed and that they play a couple in? No. Came out in 2015 a movie called Ithaca which is on stars, I think. So if you pay for stars, if you are the other person in the country that pays for stars, aside from me, you can stream Ithaca for free. So this is a movie that, like, when we sent things out, like, nobody signed up for this because, like, I'd never heard of this movie. And yeah. you would think that, like, there's Tom Hanks movies that, like, you, you know everything. But, like, but I didn't know what this was. I'm like, I wonder what this is. I'm like, directed by Meg Ryan. Wow. And I was like, oh, shit, okay. They play, I don't remember what their last name is, but like it's Mr. Somebody and Mrs. Somebody. I'm like, oh, I don't know if they're the star. I don't know where they are, but it's the elusive fourth Meg Ryan Tom Hanks movie, which I never thought we would get. But here we are next week, Ithaca on Hanks wow. the Memories, right? Very cool. Very unexpected. We've got nine movies left. There are three that I have not seen. One of which, I think two of which I basically know what we're going to get, which is, I think, you know what I was saying before. Like, Greyhound, I kind of know what we're going to get. We're going to get a World War II Hanks movie. Like, I, I understand that. That he wrote. That's mm. right. Yeah, that's right. Inferno, I know what we're going to get. Like, it's another <laughs> oh, it's, it's another bad Da Vinci Code movie, right? Like, I, I, get, I know what that's going to be. But, like, Ithaca, I have no idea what this is. And this is going to be my last, like, actual, I think, surprise in Hanks the Memory which I am uh, intrigued for. I'm very happy because I only had the circle to look forward to. Wait, have you seen A Hologram for the King? I've not seen that, but I wasn't necessarily looking, looking forward, forward to it. To it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no offense or anything, mean... but I'm just saying, like, as far as, like, you know, I've seen Toy Story 4, like, three times now. I could probably, like, recite parts of it to you guys like the key and peel stuff but like i'm really like i've been holding off on the circle for so long you guys like you have no idea the way it's built up <laughs> I in my <cannot> mind <laughs> describe and explain to you the utter and 
profound depression. Like you're just you're building yourself up for a movie that's just like bad, bad. Like it's not like it's not even worth like looking forward to. Like I don't know what to tell you, man. Like you have you have mythologized this movie in a way that I have heard you mythologize no other movie that we've ever covered. Like you, <laughs> like this is like your white whale for zero reason other than me and Montez saying like, oh no, it's bad, and you're like, oh. No, it's going to be glorious. I just remember ever since trailers, making up a whole movie in my mind based off the trailers that I totally know it's not going to be, and then coming to Joey's house one day and seeing the tomb of a novel that it's based off of, and just like, just I can't wait to see what, what happens. I just can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tobin, thank you for joining us. Like we were saying before we started recording, you'll be back in just a handful of weeks for The Post, the Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep. Yay. journalism movie, which Yay. is a uh, particular love of mine. But Tobin, thank you for joining us. Would you like to please tell our listeners about your podcast? Uh, they already probably already know, but if you want to hit them again with uh, your podcast. Yes, my sister Islan and I have a podcast called The Contenders about movies uh, directed by and or starring uh, fearless women. And so our most recent episode was The Portrait of a Lady. Not on fire. Not on fire. No, this lady's not on fire. Very much not on fire. <laughs> and then uh, in the month of August, uh, we're doing a Gina Prince Bythewood series. We're doing Love and Basketball and then The Old Guard, uh, which is on Netflix. So uh, oh. check them out and then come check out our show. You will beat Mike and me to The Old Guard because we're going to do that after we finish Hanks. Where there's a couple Charlize movies we have missed, but yeah, enjoy both of those. So for all things Hanks for the Memories and the Contenders, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram, email us, hanks at cageclub.me. Come back next week for whatever Ithaca is, directed by Meg Ryan. <laughs> Check out all almost 50 episodes of this podcast wherever you listen to this podcast. We just wrapped up last week, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. By the time this comes out, two weeks ago, the cruises are now out. So go check out every episode of the Cruise Club as we all patiently wait for Top Gun, Maverick, for Mission Impossible, who knows. Breaking news today, which is old news but this came out, Universal and AMC, I don't know if you guys saw this, agreed to shorten the window from three months to three weeks. So VOD could be a lot, lot sooner. So who knows when we'll see these movies? I mean, hopefully sooner rather than later, but I don't know. But things are happening in the world of cinema. I just want to see F9. That's all I want, guys. Let, let me Give me Fast and Furious, please. <laughs> just please. I'm just really glad we're going to get to watch Bill and Ted at home. So yes. let's, yeah. let's yes. drive up the numbers on that rental specifically so we could show the model works. Totally. True. Come back next week for Ithaca, whatever it is. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Tobin Addington of the Contenders Podcast. We'll see you next time right here on Hanks for the Memories.